Ladies and gentlemen, it's it's real ugly outside. It's disgusting outside. It is as ugly as I've ever, as I've ever seen it outside. And today, it's probably going to be a little short of a podcast because there was not a lot going on. We had NBA All Star Weekend. That was, you know, it was a it was a weekend. The the thing about those, I think every other than football because the whole weekend isn't very good. But I think. For baseball, basketball, hockey, probably. Uh, usually the, the stuff that they have going on around the actual All-Star game is better than whatever they produced for the All-Star game. It is weird. I cannot understand why the All-Star game and basically every one of those sports, except maybe baseball. Baseballs is usually, it's usually all right. It's not like a normal baseball game, though. So, I mean, it, it's as good as you can get an exhibition game, I would say. Um, but for NBA, woof, that one was bad. That that was that was a rough showing for the NBA when it came to All Star games. I thought we had all this figured out when they came together. They started doing the quarters. You know, they were basically playing for quarters. If I remember, whoever got to this amount at each quarter wins the quarter, and then they start over from zero in the next quarter, and then whoever has the total at the end wins, essentially. I thought that's what we figured out, and then I guess they changed it again. I'm not sure. Kind of a, I mean, I don't know what the NBA expects anymore out of that. It's just a, it feels like a very dated system. Nobody wants to really play in, play in it anymore, it feels like. Um, it feels like they're kind of partially I would say a lot of the players feel like they're kind of forced to be there of course they're happy to be named an all-star and everything but I don't know how much they actually want to be in Utah at a game like that and playing in a game like that we'll talk more about the NBA all-star game uh and the whole weekend in general we're going to talk about some XFL as well you know I mean it, it happened over the weekend if you weren't paying attention it was uh you know it was it was solid I think it was it was all right we'll talk a little bit more about that uh but first Quick janitorial things. Please, if you're listening to this podcast, wherever you can get your podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, you name it, Google Podcasts, you can get it there. And if you're listening to it on SheridanMedia.com, make sure you go listen there as well. Uh, give a rating if you can, five stars. I re- I'd greatly appreciate that. And remember to follow the show feed over on all those pal- on those platforms as well. I'd greatly appreciate that. This is the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast. I'm your host, James Tiberlake. So let's talk about... The XFL. So the XFL, I think a lot of people remember the XFL from back in the 90s when Vince McMahon brought it together and it was basically basically like the the WWE of professional football and that's how a lot of people remember it and you know that more than likely the way that they played it back then is not uh, sustainable and how they were going to play it now obviously back then they were like I remember the the way that they determined who got the ball first instead of a coin flip or anything like that. They had two guys. They put the ball at the 50-yard line on the ground, and they'd have two guys sprint on opposite teams, sprint from the goal line, and try to dive and get the ball. And whoever got to the ball first and got it, essentially a fumble recovery, got to uh, got to receive the kick or determine whether they'd want to kick first. And I remember, I remember guys would like break their collarbones doing that and stuff. So, you know, maybe not sustainable there by, by Vince, uh, Vince McMahon, but it gave the very much, very much gave the groundwork for uh, maybe a little something alternative. There was the USFL from a long time ago. You got the arena football league as well elsewhere. That's more of a, uh, more of a, you know, 
not 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 I want to say not real football, but definitely more of an arcadey football than something like the the XFL is now or the USFL is now, obviously. Uh, but the XFL this weekend they started again. They restarted back, uh, I think it was early 2020, right before the world basically ended, uh, and then they went bankrupt, and then Dwayne The Rock Johnson came in and said, hey, I'm The Rock, I can pay for this, so he basically paid for it and rebooted it, uh, and it's back for its second, I guess technically third inaugural season, uh, and uh, this was their first week, this past weekend was their first week, and you know what? Not bad. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was good, not terrible. I was, uh... I was impressed the 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 amount of quality of play that we got to see. I thought it was better than I expected to be honest with you. The XFL to put it in terms that would make sense for people in this would this is how I would sell it to people. It's a great league for people that watch college football and have like a favorite team or something like that, especially in like the bigger clubs, uh, clubs, the bigger schools, I guess is what I should say. Uh, if you watch college football and you're a fan of the bigger schools, it's perfect for those people. And when you're watching college football from maybe five or six or seven years ago or something like that, and if you're reflecting on those college football teams that you used to watch and you think to yourself, oh yeah, whatever happened to that guy? You will probably find them in the XFL. That was kind of something that was happening to me over the weekend. AJ McCarron was the quarterback for the St. Louis Battlehawks. Uh, I I took a gasp. I was set a gasp when I saw AJ McCarron running out there. I was like, oh my God, that's the guy from Alabama. He had one of the greatest, uh, he was the quarterback of one of the greatest teams in Alabama history. And there he is quarterbacking the St. Louis Battlehawks for the XFL. There was other guys, Charleston Rambo from my specific favorite college football team, the Oklahoma Sooners. There were guys like Charleston Rambo, uh, Jeff Bedette, who was a both wide receivers. They had uh, Jordan Evans, a linebacker that played for my favorite team. And I was actively, every time there was somebody on the field that I recognized, I was like, oh, yeah, that guy. I remember him. That that happened a lot over Sunday, and it's kind of perfect for people like that that are uh, big college football fans and want to reminisce about their days watching college football. Maybe one of their favorite players didn't maybe make it to the NFL. I guess they weren't just they just weren't you know that next level prospect. I guess so they get the chance in the XFL, and that's what's that's what I like so far about the XFL. You'll you'll see guys that you thought you forgot about, and then you're there. He is running a a forty yard touchdown or something like that. Brian Hill, another one, one of the great Wyoming Cowboy running backs of all time. He's a, he's a running back in the XFL. He also plays for the St. Louis Battlehawks, like A.J. McCarron. And he had a, I mean, for the most part, he had a pretty solid day. They The Battlehawks were were down for a majority of the game that they were, well, I, I don't want to say down by too much, but they were down. I mean, it looked like their offense could not get anything going for most of the game against San Antonio. Uh, it was a low-scoring game. The under hit uh, easily in this game. And uh, Brian Hill, he only was able to rush six times, but he had 55 yards, 9.2 average on those rushes. So Brian Hill, former Wyoming left legend obviously uh and he's back he's back rushing in the xfl and he did a pretty good job i must say did a did a decent job running the football for the st louis battle Battlehawks, and they had a crazy comeback we'll talk about the rest of the rest of the the landscape in terms of scores and stuff here in a little bit but i want to talk about a couple interesting ideas i think the xfl if they're nailing one thing they're at least bringing new ideas to the forefront for the game of football the nfl uh noticeably uh, does not make a lot of changes to the very to the to the forefront of football I guess to the to the main thing that is football and the XFL if there's one thing that it has going for it it's bringing new kind of progressive ideas to the forefront and trying them out in their league and if it gets enough traction obviously then they can maybe I mean they have no partnership with the XFL or excuse me with the NFL but 
I think maybe their end game is possibly, hey, we had this great idea. Let's see if the NFL, let's let's try it. Let's see if it works in maybe a preseason game or something like that. And if it ends up working, uh, then maybe we roll with it. And I think the best example of that is their kickoff rule, the XFL kickoff rule. It is a great rule. I love the way that they've changed kickoffs. The rule that they're using really invites kickoff returns instead of just touchbacks. You know, we're in the NFL, we see uh, basically uh, you're guaranteed probably two touchbacks in a game, uh, and that's on the low side, I would say. Um, and I think that what they've developed in the XFL is something that the NFL could use moving forward to kind of reinvigorate the the kicking game, especially in returns and kickoff returns um, going forward. So what the XFL does, they basically they have their kicker, their their kicker obviously, and then their returner obviously. Uh, but the difference is though in the XFL when they are kicking, they basically have uh, it's the kicker obviously way back over on his end on like the twenty five yard line, and the returner's down by the goal line. And then the rest of the teams, the return team and then the the kickoff defense team, essentially, they line up across from each other. So like a wide receiver lining up across from a uh, cornerback. And it's essentially the same thing as a wide receiver trying to block a cornerback on a run play. It's essentially the same thing. The returner, uh, the only thing is the cornerback cannot, you know, or the, the people, the defensive uh, people lined up across from the blocking unit cannot move until the returner catches the ball. And then once that happens, uh, the return unit can go and try to block, obviously, the defensive, uh, the the kick, the kick defensive team. I don't know how to say that properly, um, but they basically line up across from each other 10 yards apart. And it's basically a wide receiver blocking a cornerback on a run play. And you're trying to, um, you know, obviously break open the hole for the returner to get through. And I think it's a very, very, very smart idea. I think it's very cool. It, it takes away the risk of, uh, you know, a head on collisions. Uh, uh, super uh, aggressive head-on collisions that you see a lot with kickoffs that became super dangerous in the NFL. That's why they moved uh, the kickoff the kickoff marker. I think it was what up ten yards essentially or five yards or something. So there were, were more uh, touchbacks. They basically um, got rid of the kickoff return uh, so that they would have less uh, less less head injuries in those situations. And I think the XFL did it very good, where you're still removing the risk of head injuries, but you're still seeing a lot of the kickoff and the kickoff returns. And uh, I like it a lot. I love the way that they've done that, and I think it's. Something the NFL needs to take a big, uh, a deep look at and see, you know, they need to take their pride away from it and just look, hey, they're doing this better than us. We need to change it to make it look like this. I think it looks way better. It's uh, it's not it's not necessarily, uh, you know, pleasing on the eyes or anything like that. It looks cooler to see guys sprint down the field all in unison, obviously, uh, but. Who cares? I mean, we just want to see cool kickoff return for touchdowns again. We don't want to see, you know, one, you know, two or three on the season, essentially, before uh, we see the next one. So, uh, you know, I think that's that's one of the great improvements that the XFL has made so far is their kickoff, uh, their kickoff rule. They also have the extra point rule. It's essentially tiered extra points. Uh, team, this is directly from their rule book. Uh, teams have three run slash pass only options for extra points following a touchdown. So the kicker uh, kicking extra points is gone. You don't. They're not doing that anymore. I don't see the NFL bringing this in anytime soon because it does basically remove an entire section where the kicker is actually important. Um, so instead of the kicker kicking extra points, you have the three options. So one option is you can go for one point, which is basically from the two-yard line uh, following this is following a touchdown so you can start from the two-yard line try to get into the end zone and if you get in from two yards out it's one point you can start from the
the five yard line. If you get in from five yards out, it's two extra points. Uh, and then you could start from the 10 yard line. And if you get in from there, it is three points essentially. And the defense is also awarded the same number of points. Uh, if they take back a picks, uh, you know, an interception and take it all the way back or something like that, or a fumble recovery. So uh, similar to the NFL, well, I guess it's not really similar, but you know, whatever. Uh, if they start from the five yard line and they return a fumble, uh, a fumble or whatever, all the way back to the, uh, to the, to the opposite end zone, then they get two points starting from the five yard line. So, uh, so, I think it's cool. Um, I, I like it a lot. I think it adds a lot of strategy. Um, it's not just you know teams sending out their kicker or anything like that anymore. They have to decide whether, whether they want to start from the two, the five, the ten, uh, and you could end the drive with nine points instead of you know typical seven or anything like that. You can end with eight points instead of the typical instead of, instead of your typical seven. You know it can bounce back and forth. It adds for it creates a. It can create some uh, funky endings to these games, which is what exactly that we saw in the uh, the St. Louis Battlehawks game versus the San Antonio Brahmas. Uh, so San Antonio, they were leading this game heavily. They were leading this game heavily. They were up uh, on the Battlehawks. I think it was uh, up by twelve with just ninety seconds left to game uh, to go in this game. And this is the this is the positive for the XFL. This is where the XFL is definitely going to try to lean into the the Saint. Lewis had nothing going all game. They could not do anything offensively, and then all of a sec, uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know, over the course of ninety seconds, it basically all turned on its head. So the uh, Battlehawks they went down on an eight play, seventy one yard drive, and it ended with a touchdown. So they were down fifteen to three in this, you know, at this basically with three minutes left in the fourth quarter, they go down and score on this eight play, seventy uh, one yard drive. If I remember correctly, yeah, seventy one yard drive. They go down and score. Say so then they get the three point conversion as well. So fifteen to three turns into fifteen to twelve because of the touchdown and the three point conversion. And then the Battle Hawks go for the. F- the fourth down onside conversion thing or whatever you call it. I don't know the exact terminology that they're calling it, uh, but essentially the onside kick quote unquote. And uh, it's basically a fourth and 15. They try it and AJ McCarron gets it. They get the fourth and 15. So they get the ball back. So they go down and score again. This time, with 10, 16 seconds left to go, they score again. It makes it 18 to 15. Uh, they don't convert the one-point rush attempt, but it doesn't matter. It's 18 to 15 at this point. They come back from uh, from 15 to three down in the matter of 90 seconds because of the rule changes in this game. And it was cool as hell to see. It was so cool. It was just an interesting way to see these games end. The fourth and 15 concept worked really well, in my opinion. For instead of the onside kicks, that fourth and 15 concept I think worked really well. I think it was very interesting. Instead of you know whatever the con- Conversion radius for onside kicks in the NFL. I think they they had only converted um, all NFL kickers. I think they only converted like uh, I think it was below five percent or something like that this season. Something ridiculous like that. I think they only converted like a total of four or five on the entire season. Um, and to see it, you know, change that to like a fourth and fifteen, it maybe makes it a little honestly a little bit too easy for some NFL teams. Like the 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 Chiefs would never give the ball back if that was the case. They're going for fourth and fifteen instead of uh, just kicking the ball away keep it with the offense I, I trust Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey with my life trying to get a fourth and 15 instead of an onside kick so it's probably not something they can really implement in the NFL unless maybe they extend the yardage maybe a fourth and 30 then maybe I think maybe we could talk about that that's probably less of a chance to even get that than the onside kick but who knows maybe it's something they could slide in there as well um, and then the two point the extra point conversions I think is a cool way to uh, maybe not also not something for the NFL because you are eliminating a decent portion of uh, one part of your game in terms of special teams your kickers uh, won't be doing very much at that point, obviously, but I think it is very cool. Something a little different for a, a unique, a unique style in a different league that um, will keep you coming back essentially 
and I appreciated that about the XFL. It was a, it was a good weekend for them, uh, especially in that game. Uh, the teams in total, uh, they all combined for 160 points with uh, with everyone scoring at least a dozen points. That was something the USFL didn't hit until week five last year. USFL feels like because I was looking at some of the rosters because I was kind of trying to get gauge which one which league is going to have a better output I guess and it feels a little bit like the XFL is a step up from the USFL so you've got the the USFL I think in my opinion I mean this could change depending on what we see with from the USFL I think they're still like seven weeks out or whatever um so we'll see what they are able to do. But I think from what we've seen, the rosters, the roster, roster construction that we've seen from them, I think the USFL is probably a little bit of a step down in terms of talent than the XFL. So it'll go USFL, XFL, uh, the SEC, <laughs> college football, and then uh, and then the NFL, obviously. So I, I think that's kind of a way to gauge it, basically. It feels more like you're watching double uh, A baseball essentially i mean baseball is baseball but it's double a baseball so you know you're not getting a whole lot out of it instead of watching you know the mlb every week uh and then the usfl is more like single a baseball i guess is the the better way to kind of uh analogize it i guess if that was that even a word sure well we'll say that was a word uh to try to put them together in in a way that's more understanding they're just different leagues you know and and i appreciate the uniqueness of what the xfl is trying to do and i like that very much from what we got this weekend um and it was you know they were good games we had not only the Battle Hawks came back from 12 point deficit. We had three different comebacks in these games. Uh, Arlington, uh, they came back from 14 to three uh, at halftime. Uh, DC came back from a 10 point third quarter deficit as well. Uh, and then the St. Louis one, obviously a 12 point deficit in 90 seconds. So uh, it was just a fun weekend for, uh, for the XFL. I made a DFS lineup for the XFL, which was stupid. I was just picking guys. I was like, you know what? Why not? It's week one. Let's have fun. Let's let's try some stuff. Uh, ben DiNucci was my quarterback. Everybody remembers Ben DiNucci. He was the third string quarterback for the Cowboys. I think it was two or three years ago, and he had, you know, he wasn't great, but, you know, everybody loves his name, and I'm one of those people, so I threw Ben DiNucci in there. He had a pretty good game as well, uh, and then a bunch of guys that I recognize just by name for the most part, uh, you know, a bunch of my Oklahoma guys that I mentioned earlier, then Brian Hill was in there as well, so, you know, that's kind of the way, I was, that which is not a good way to build a DFS lineup, by the way. Do not take any of my, uh, my actions as uh, hearsay or anything like that, uh, so... Uh, but it was just, it, it was cool to see a lot of the familiar guys that we saw, uh, you know, if, if you watch college sports or anything like that, college football, a lot of, a lot of the familiar faces that you saw from college. And then you wondering to yourself years later, what happened to that guy? Whatever happened to that dude? And you kind of, they, these guys just kind of stumble in the XFL and here they are. Oh, that's where he is. Good to see you. Interesting. There's Jordan Evans, the linebacker from Oklahoma that I remember playing very well for one specific senior year and then disappearing off the face of the planet. Actually, I think he played for Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Bengals for a little bit as well, but now he's in the XFL. So it's cool that way. And then Brian Hill, we talked about him already. He's a legendary Wyoming running back. Well, a lot of Wyoming players don't get a whole lot of, especially offensively, get a whole lot of chances in the NFL, obviously, unless you're Josh Allen um, and, you know, some of those guys that were legendary college players or something like that and they can get a second chance in the xfl continue their career per se uh, or their 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 striving for the nfl continue that push in the xfl as well it's just a it's a cool it's a cool alternate league to want to watch especially with there's no football on it's still snowing like crazy outside you still got that that football feeling you can flip flip on the uh, the old xfl and watch that over the weekend and hey there you go you got your football fixed for the spring uh so yeah xfl honestly pretty solid week one they also had uh they also had some pretty i mean 
you know, it wasn't blow your socks off numbers in terms of attendance. I think San Antonio had a had a great showing. I think they had like twenty four thousand people at the Alamo Dome, which is normally where they play like bowl games. Like a, the the Alamo Bowl is where they play. Um, the Alamo Dome is where they play the Alamo Bowl every year, obviously. So it's not used very often. And uh, so San Antonio now is obviously the San Antonio, San Antonio Brahmas is basically that's where they're going to play. And they the San Antonio fans showed up. Granted. Not a lot. I mean, look, San Antonio, I've heard great things. I've never been there. But from what I understand, not a lot of things to do in San Antonio. Great basketball city, obviously. San Antonio Spurs, for 20 years, they dominated the league. Uh, But, you know, not a, you know, maybe not a great nightlife or anything like that uh, in San Antonio. Not not something, you know, vibrant or anything like that. So maybe it's the perfect place for uh, an XFL team. They they showed out, again, like I said, for that that game. I think they had, like I said, 24,000 people or something like that. None of the attendants dipped below 12,000, which is very good to see for uh you know the xfl well so we'll see um how well it does i think over over the spring seasons i'm, I'm curious to see how much people are maybe not looking to maybe go watch football during the spring if that's really something that's tied into their seasons or something like that uh or if you know they don't really want to be focused or you know uh rooting for another football team during the spring or something like that they can they really enjoy their seasonal football that sort of thing I mean, we'll see i don't know i think really somebody like st louis it'll be good for because you know they they had their team taken away from them essentially uh san antonio who didn't have i mean they've really never had a team i think they had a, a team in 2019 in the AA AAF, but that team got taken away as well. Uh, or I think the AAF actually got disbanded uh, because of COVID, but you know, neither here nor there. Um, so I think it'll do, it'll do good there, but uh, the rest of these teams we'll see. I, I'm really not sure they have Arlington. Arlington is, I mean, I, I don't know how much you're going to get out of Texas or, you know, out of uh, Arlington because you've got Houston there. I mean, the Texans are the Texans, but uh, you've got the Texans there. You've got, uh, you got the Cowboys not too far away from Arlington. Uh, so we'll see how it does in Texas. Plus, I mean, high school football, I think, is a lot bigger than the XFL is going to be in Texas. So we'll see how they do in spring there. Uh, Vegas Vipers, they already have the Raiders. We'll see how they do. Uh, Orlando, they don't have a team, so it's possible for them to maybe pick up some uh, pick up some. Uh, pick up some of their attendance a little bit as well as the season goes along. Houston obviously has the Texans as well. I'm kind of just thinking of specific areas that don't have a professional NFL team that would like, you know, uh, professional quote unquote football. So we'll see. They have the DC defenders as well. And then Seattle, they both have, I mean, the, the commanders are not necessarily in DC. I don't, I don't know if the defenders are necessarily in DC either, but maybe DC, the DC defenders are more of the, uh, more of the DC, more in the DC metro area than the Washington commanders are. And then the Seattle sea dragons, obviously they got the Seahawks there. So I don't know how much of a, uh, how much of a showing those fans will make when they have their first home game on Thursday. So we'll see. I'm just, I'm interested to see the attendance numbers for these games. Cause I want to know how interested people are for spring football, spring semi quote, professional quote unquote, semi professional football, uh, during the spring seasons. And if it takes anything out of, I mean, it probably will to be honest with you, because we have this weird affinity towards football, but see how much it takes out of, uh, how, how much wind it takes out of baseball sales as, uh, as the season goes along. So we'll see. Uh, it was, uh, it was an interesting weekend. It was fun to watch. Um, and I'm excited for week two, to be honest with you. They're also doing Thursday night football as well, just like the NFL. Uh, and then it continues into Saturday and Sunday. So It'll be fun. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch the rest of the football season in the XFL. There's only it's I mean, it's a short season. They only have uh, they only have 10 weeks, I believe. And then they get into semifinals and playoffs. So, you know, it's it's a short little uh, short little spring season. And then they get into uh, and then they get into the playoffs towards the end of April, essentially. Uh, and then their championships like the beginning of May. So 
We'll see what happens. I'm excited. Uh, all right, let's move on. Let's move on here. We're going to talk about some NBA All-Star Weekend. So let's start with the Saturday night. Uh, always the funnest part, in my opinion, of the entire All-Star Weekend. They have the game. It's really not that interesting anymore. Uh, I just don't find the game itself to be fun to watch because it really is. I think Jalen Brown's. I think it was Jalen Brown that said this. It was, it's a glorified layup line, and that's really, I mean, essentially what it is. I don't. It doesn't feel like anybody wants to be there and play. You know, that I don't blame them for that. Obviously, you're essentially playing these, asking these guys to come in play against the best of the best uh, for literally no reason. I mean, there's just, it's just an exhibition game. There's no reason to be there whatsoever. Um, so, you know, I don't blame a lot of the guys for essentially playing no defense. It really is just, you know, do the coolest things that you can do in an, in an NBA game uh, and see if you can get away with it. And that's basically what that game is. Um, but the Saturday night stuff was, was fun. I enjoyed it. I think the skills competition's a little, a little, you know, maybe a little, dated i think honestly it's it's not as fun nearly as fun as any of the others but the thing is about saturday night stuff for the nba all-star weekend it can be the absolute best out of all of them or it can be the worst so and what i mean by that is you can get you know a good three-point contest yeah you know no matter what if the three-point contest is good it usually is pretty good but uh the dunk contest it really all rides on the dunk contest if you have a bad dunk contest if you're there NBA during all-star weekend in the nba uh then i think a lot of people kind of write it off as the all-star weekend was not very good just in general i think that's how a lot of people look at nba all-star weekend uh, and especially that saturday night if you don't have a, d- a good dunk contest it's the last thing that they do on that saturday night if you don't have a good dunk contest uh, then your saturday night was probably not very good in terms of the grand scheme of things and luckily this year we had a pretty good dunk i mean overall the contest was fine i would say wasn't the it wasn't the best so we had two guys that weren't very good uh the two finalists mac mcclung and i can't remember the other guy's name i'm so sorry i think it was trey murphy is that right trey murphy i'm pretty sure um one he played for the pelicans there you go got it uh and uh mac mcclung though i mean he was the shining star mac mcclung guy straight out of the g league white dude looks like somebody that should play uh at uh, sheridan high school to be honest with you whitest dude you'll ever see uh he's got uh you know he's not the tallest guy in the world but he's got hops i mean he was proven that white men can indeed jump he jumped over two guys, uh, essentially one large human being. Uh, he had one guy uh, like sitting on somebody's shoulders with the basketball above his head. He jumped over both of them, tapped the butt, tapped the backboard with the ball, and reverse dunked it. Nothing I'd ever seen. It was it was unreal. He had a, a little hezzy reverse dunk as well. It was just, I, I mean, he was he was impressive. I was stunned. I mean, that's the thing. If you walk into those, if you walk into those contests, really having no expectations and you know, a guy like Mac McClung from the G League, which essentially, I mean, he was coming out of the G League for this competition, essentially, uh, shows up and just puts on a show like that. It blows your socks off because you're like, there's no way this guy Mac McClung from Texas Tech is going to be putting on crazy 10 out of, you know, 50 point dunks. And he did. He had a fantastic dunk competition. And in general, in general, if the dunk competition, I mean, because it was so good, the NBA wins. That's all. That's all they need. the The rest of the competitions could be bad. If you get a Mac McClung, if you get a Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon competition in the dunk contest, then you're good. The, the Saturday night was a complete success because it pops off on Twitter, it blows up all over social media, and uh, it. And that's basically the running. Uh, the running 
the running crowning achievement for the next basically few days until the NBA comes back. And then, um, and then you go back to regular NBA, regular scheduled program. I, you see more stuff during about the dunk contest and the dunks that happen from those guys than you see during the NBA all-star game period. Like nothing that comes from the actual all-star game is social media worthy, you know, or, or trending worthy, that sort of thing. So they really need something like the, uh, the dunk contest to have a big showing in order for them to, um, really, I think, crown it as a success for Saturday or for the entire weekend. I think, in my opinion, so uh, and I think this year it was it was a success. There were, I mean, the pro. Here's the thing, Utah. I mean, Utah's tough, man. I, I they were taking a lot of L's this weekend. I'll be honest with you. Just in, like the entire the Salt Lake City, the the general area where they were having the uh, Saturday, the entire all-star weekend, uh, Utah in general was taking a lot of L's. I hate to be that guy. Uh, Charles, Chuck, uh, Charles Barkley, Shaq, they were roasting. They were roasting Utah while they were there uh, doing the, uh, they were doing the commentary for the all-star game and they were roasting Utah. Uh, and you know, rightfully so there's not a lot. I no, I have no offense. Salt Lake city. Okay. I, so I apologize. And you know what? You probably like it this way. There's not a lot to do in Salt Lake city, Utah during you know, a weekend like that. Okay. There's not a lot of clubs. There's not, you know, not a whole, not a great amount of nightlife that really suits that specific, uh, genre of, you know, NBA ballers, that sort of thing. So, you know, they took a little, a couple, a couple knocks on the head, but you know, that's fine. They're going to take it. No big deal. They're going to move on and Utah, you know, they're going to perform above expectations for the rest of the season as well, uh, in terms of their basketball team as well. Uh, so, I don't know what the solution is for the NBA All-Star game, to be honest with you. I thought we had a solution uh, with like the 25-quarter type things or whatever, the point marker for each quarter. I thought that was a cool solution. For whatever reason, they got rid of it. I don't know why they did that. I thought it was a lot cooler to watch that way. Uh, and it just made it feel like each quarter was a lot more important than just one running. They're basically getting until... Till, till the end of the game, even though it didn't really happen this year, it was basically a blowout. Um, they were, you know, but beforehand they would get till the end of the game and then you spice things up a little bit more. Um, but the quarter thing I thought was cool, and I don't know why they got rid of that. And I think they're probably going to be looking for um, uh, some sort of way to change the All Star game uh, come this point next season, just because I don't think they're having a lot of. Uh, you know, good discussion on Twitter or any of the other social media, uh, social medias about the actual All Star Game itself. Because I, I mean, does anybody actually sit down and watch that game? I, really, I, I, I don't. I don't want to. It's just not a fun. It's not a fun basketball experience to watch. It's just kind of more. Uh, it's just like Jalen Brown said. Essentially, it's just a layup line. You know, you're watching these guys do whatever they kind of want for for uh, sixty minutes or so. So. We'll see what they do with the All-Star game. I can't imagine they keep it the same for next year because it's just not interesting anymore. And that's that becomes a problem for the NBA, obviously, that uh, if, if they can't draw interest to one of their premier events of the season uh, in the middle part of the season, obviously, then they're going to have to make changes, especially for the actual game itself. Supposed to, everything is supposed to be leading to Sunday, the All-Star game, but uh, it does not end up being that. Everybody's more excited for something like Saturday, the dunk contest, the three-point contest, that uh, that whole shebang more so than the All-Star game. So uh, I would be surprised if they didn't change anything. I would uh, I would expect them to make changes before uh, next season, but we'll see. We'll see what they do. I'm, I'm 
I'm curious to see what they do, what sort of changes they make. We saw the Pro Bowl do it, uh, turn it into a flag football game, and basically do a similar idea as the uh, the Saturday night for the NBA, which is a bunch of you know contests for quarterbacks and everybody like that. So um, if the NFL is willing to change in that sense, then I got to imagine the NBA is also willing to change uh, their NBA All-Star type stuff. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, really quickly, uh, concluding here today, because again, like I said, we didn't have a lot to talk about, I'll be honest with you. We had we had the Daytona 500 go on this weekend, but I'm not a huge stock car motor motor racing guy, uh, especially uh, NASCAR. You know, I didn't watch a whole lot of it. I saw, you know, a couple a, a couple minutes of it essentially. I'm not a, I'm not a not a NASCAR guy, so that's why we're not really talking about Daytona 500 to be honest with you. Or really any of the stock car racing or anything like that. It's just not doesn't doesn't scratch an itch for me. I'm more of an F1 guy personally. Uh, I like the the Grand Prix system a little bit more. I just like the racing a little bit more in uh, F1 and there's not a lot and not as much to worry about I think in uh, in NASCAR and I think there's more uh, of a situation there's more of a person there's more personalities in f1 that i can kind of uh, uh it's easier to relate to in f1 than there is in nascar so that's why i don't i don't talk a lot about the daytona 500 or any of the other the other big races in the NAS- in, in nascar just because it's not as uh, it's not as interesting to me it's not as interesting to me as something like f1 so um that's why we're not talking about that today but let's conclude here today with one situation um, that was head scratching to me over the weekend, and it's it's also uh, it's also part of the All Star weekend in the NBA. Um, and this was kind of blowing up a little bit. I think more, no, nah, actually not more than I would expect. I, I was surprised, I guess, overall by the decision of the NBA um, to bring back, I, I don't know, grandstand almost. Um, Carl Malone this weekend uh, in Utah, which I understand Utah is uh, is you know Salt Lake City was his his domain. For his career, for those of you who know, he's a Utah Jazz legend. He played essentially 20-plus years in Utah with the Jazz, one of the the great players in NBA history. Uh, But for those of you that don't know, uh, he's had a dark side. Uh, He is not a uh, morally good person, I would say. Uh, For those of you that don't know, Malone, back in 1983, when he was at college at this point, uh, so back in 1983, he impregnated a 13-year-old girl uh, while he was at college. The girl's parents took Malone to, to uh, paternity court, essentially, um, but basically has not since then ever gotten in any trouble for the act of impregnating a 13-year-old girl. The thir- the, the girl at the time had, had the child, and the child grew up to be uh, an NFL player, actually. Um, but Malone has really, really, really dodged a lot of the heat that he should take uh, for this act that he that he had that took place 40 years ago or something. He played a very successful NFL career or excuse me, NBA career. Um, and not a lot has really come to the forefront about this entire situation with Malone uh, and this uh, back then 13 year old girl at the time. And it was weird for me to see uh, the NBA try to celebrate Carl Malone. Uh, during this weekend, it was just such a swing and a miss from a uh, typically very progressive league, probably the most progressive league in uh, in our in our in our four major sports, I would say. Uh, and to see him, the the NBA, and even I would say to his dismay, um, he 
it's almost like he knows that it's weird that he's getting paraded around from the clips that we've seen um, by the NBA the, from from NBA Twitter and stuff. It, it looks like he's almost uncomfortable being paraded around. Like he knows uh, that this is also kind of weird. So to see that he, I mean, he was a. Uh, he was there for the dunk contest for whatever reason. I don't think, I don't think he was judging. He was like, he was an honorary judge. There, there was no reason to highlight him in the situation uh, that they were talking about. He it looked like, cause I don't remember him holding up fifties or tens or anything like that. I don't remember him judging. I could be wrong about this, but I don't remember him judging at all. I don't remember him sitting at the judging table or anything like that for the dunk contest. So uh, I don't know why he was there for that. And I don't know why the NF the NBA insisted on, kind of just parading him around i get he's a utah legend i get he's probably the greatest player in that franchise's history but given his past um it was just very very poor uh very tone deaf in the world that we live in in 2023 today uh the fact that he has very much uh, skidded i mean really really flown under the radar for something like that when a large part of that is because he has literally uh just lived off of the radar, but down in uh, down in Louisiana, I think, or wherever he's from, the the South. Um, basically, living completely off the radar. He doesn't do a lot of interviews or anything like that. Uh, he doesn't do TV or anything. He basically lives on a on a farm, a ranch, or whatever, off in Louisiana. Hunts and you know, basically lives his own life. Um, and he's really skated on this really detrimental. Uh, disgusting act back in the 1980s um and given that it's still been it's been 40 years and really not a lot has happened in this case between him uh and the uh and the and the family the the opposing family um she was 13 years old at the time when he impregnated her so uh just the fact that the 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 nba again one of the more progressive leagues um in america when it comes to this sort of thing the fact that he was being paraded around as this you know utah legend he's back you know the he's finally back in utah we're in utah the 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 signature the signature event for basketball and we're going to highlight the best player in utah's history yeah we know he has baggage but we're going to highlight him anyways like pick and literally pick anybody else you could not have picked a worse person to be parading around Utah uh, in in Salt Lake City as the guy that you're going to sit up and put him in courtside seats or whatever for the All-Star game, make him an honorary judge for the dunk contest. Like, that was just so, so tone-deaf from the NFL, I c- or the, excuse me, the NBA. I could not believe that I was one. I, I mean, I, and then when they announced him, uh, the Utah fans were cheering and stuff. I don't think a lot of people are familiar, are familiar with the stuff that... Um, that's with with that with that I mean with that big scar uh, on his legacy. I don't think a lot of people are are know about that. I mean, it was interesting to see the reaction that he got in Utah. I mean, the cheers that he got in Utah, obviously, and that's fandom. I get. Um, you know, it's hard for just fans in general if you grew up watching Carl Malone or whatever. But even then, I mean, 1983, that would have been, I mean, he was in college, so he wasn't even in the NBA at the time. Uh, so that was before his career even began in Utah. Um, the fact that he was getting a ovation, I mean, I don't think it was, you know, a loud ovation. I was trying to listen to it while I was watching um, the dunk contest because that was the first time they really showed him. Um, and I was trying to hear if he was going to get boos or anything like that. I didn't hear boos, uh, but I did hear, I mean, it was a faint clapping, I guess is what I would say. Uh, it wasn't like they were standing ovation or large, la- loud cheers or anything like that. Um, but I was, I I mean, I get you want to you wanna highlight one of the great players of the town that you're being in, but I mean, dude, John Stockton. I get John Stockton's also kind of a weird guy. I mean, he's very much the the conspiracy guy, which, you know, 
I can live with that. You know, bring the conspiracy guy, whatever. I don't get, I don't care about that much as much. But this guy, he, uh, Malone has skated, skated on something that is truly horrendous. Uh, one of the most deplorable things that a human being could do. And, um, and he did it. And now here we are 40 years later without him really suffering any sort of consequences for that action. Uh, and here we are 40 years later. He's being paraded around as as the the homecoming king, quote unquote, uh, for the NBA during their All Star game. So that was weird. I really just did not get. I was disappointed in the NBA because for the most part, I think they're very progressive in a lot of their uh, their values, and and the players are very progressive in a lot of their uh, their understandings and and how you know forward they are with a lot of their beliefs. Maybe sometimes to a detriment, I will say. <laughs> Um, but I think it's it's honorable that the NBA is one of the better organizations that allows their players really to speak out more than more so than any other more so than any other league I think. Um, but for this one uh, to be as tone deaf as they were, almost like they were trying to sweep the NBA in general was trying to sweep that entire situation under the rug. In the world that we live in today, I mean, it does not take a lot to look up Carl Malone and see what he has been uh, essentially confirmed to have done uh and to see the nfl or the nba just uh, sweep that under the rug and uh, embrace him with open arms over the weekend was uh, was just kind of gross it left a bad taste in my mouth honestly uh even though the rest of the weekend or especially that saturday night was fun for the most part but to see the fact the fact that carl malone was being you know shown on the jumbotron hey here he is he's the, the one of the greatest players of all time in utah history or whatever carl malone like you got to be able to, especially with baggage like that, like you got to, it's hard to separate the art from the artist in that situation. Um, given the fact that he has shown uh, no remorse for that entire situation uh, and um, just continues to this day to really skate and, you know, hasn't come out and said anything about it, uh, you know, or, 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 you know, deny it or anything like, or not, not even deny it, but show remorse uh, for that entire situation. Um, it's just gross. It just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I, I guarantee you it's the last time they do that. The NBA does that unless, unless Carl Malone shows, shows some sort of remorse for it. Um, I guarantee you the NBA does not go back. I mean, they go back to Utah, but I guarantee you that Carmelo is not the guy that they're going to be bringing out as the as the the homecoming king for uh, for their All Star weekend. And they're going to pick basically anybody else in that situation. So uh, yeah, that was uh, that was weird. I didn't love that. That made me very uncomfortable to see him prancing around uh, Salt Lake City. I, I don't actually I don't want to say prancing around because it's not like he was loving every second of it. You could tell he was kind of uncomfortable. Um, so. You know, I'm not saying he was expressing remorse in any way. I just think he's maybe socially a little awkward. Um, and it just made the entire situation feel a little weird. And uh, it's just, it's a whole, it's a, it's a bad situation. I wish we didn't have to, uh, we didn't have, I wish he wasn't there. I wish he wasn't there in general. Bring anybody else from those Utah teams, literally anybody else. And I would have been more excited for any of those other people than, uh, than Carl Malone. Carl Malone, he can go to Louisiana and sit in the corner uh, in the dark in the woods for all I care and never show his face in the light of day ever again until he shows uh, even an inkling of remorse for impregnating a 13-year-old child uh, 20 years later, still showing no remorse. So, you know. Whatever, for, I guess 40 years later, not 20, excuse me, 40 years later, showing no zero remorse. So, uh, you know, I don't need to see him ever again. I don't want to think about Carl Malone ever again. He does not need to be showing up to any sort of NBA events ever again. If you're inducting people into the Hall of Fame, he, he does he does not need to be there shaking hands either. So, I mean, let's just let's let's just remove Carl Malone from any uh, any sort of let's let's just stop thinking about him. I don't want to think about him anymore. Uh, OK, that. 
is going to wrap up the show, ladies and gentlemen. It's a little bit shorter this week. I told you, I told you, not a lot going on. But that, I think, you know, for, we still got through about 45 minutes of a podcast. So, honestly, pretty good. Uh, but thank you very much for tuning in. I know it's very ugly outside if you're living in Sheridan, Wyoming. If not, Thanks for listening. Outside of Sheridan, I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. Remember to rate the show, even all the people in Sheridan as well. Remember to rate the show. I greatly appreciate that as well. On all those podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, whatever, Stitcher, Pandora. You can listen to podcasts on Pandora. I had no idea, but you can. If you want to listen to it there, you can listen to it there. And remember to rate it, please. Five stars. I'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, and also follow the, the feed as well on any of those platforms as well. Greatly appreciate that. Uh, get some traction on the show. Maybe get out to a larger audience. Uh, and you guys are the stepping stones for that. And uh, I'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, but for now, this, ladies and gentlemen, has been the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast. And I've been your host, James Timberlake. <laughs>